Amen. It is good to be back at Great Hills. If you have your Bible, start with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. <clears throat> While you're turning there, uh, I just want to real quick welcome everybody that's watching online. Uh, you need to stay tuned in the entire message because uh, I've got some words of encouragement for you, even at the very end. So those of you watching online, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. And uh, I just want you to know it's good to be back. Uh, we've got a lot to cover in this passage today. So if you don't mind, could we all please stand on reading of God's word? We're just gonna get right into it so uh, we can get to the good stuff. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the word of God says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, we're gonna pause and we're gonna pick up verse after verse uh, throughout the rest of the message. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the great high priest. Thank you that we have access to you. And Father, I pray that you encourage those here today that don't know that, those that are watching online, that don't have a relationship with you. I pray, Father, you draw people to you today. We thank you for what you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, there are two theological truths that he addresses to uh, the, the believers, and we need to know those two theological truths, and then he's gonna show us some practical things we need to do as a result of that. And the first thing that you need to see is, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the first theological truth is, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, so in other words, he's talking to fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, he said, since we have confidence that in the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, if you get the backdrop of what's going on here, he's referring back to the Old Testament. Do you remember in the Old Testament um, when you had uh, the, the children of Israel, when they had the tabernacle? So you had the uh, outer court, that's you know, the place of, of worship and stuff, but they also had the, um, in the outer court, they had the uh, altar, and that's where sacrifices were made to get forgiveness of sins. And so you had the... the um, Inside the next place, you had the place of worship. But then you had the place back here in the back that was called the most holy place or the holy of holies. Now back here, there was a huge curtain that separated the holy of holies from everything else. Nobody could come back here. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is. Y'all remember, uh, any of y'all seen Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? That, that's what was back here. Okay, so the Ark of the Covenant was back here. So none of you could go back there. None, none, myself I included, I couldn't go back there. Uh, only the high priest could go back there. And that high priest, the first one was Moses' brother Aaron. Now he could only go back there one day a year on the day of atonement. And so this is where God showed up. This is where he manifested his presence. Matter of fact, it was so serious for them to go back into the Holy of Holies for the high priest that he had to wear special clothes, go through special ceremonial cleansings. Matter of fact, Jewish tradition says that he would wear a robe that had uh, bells sewn at the bottom so they would sound off so that when he went in there, he wouldn't die. Also, Jewish tradition says that they would uh, tie a rope around his ankle so that when he went back there, if he died, they couldn't, you know, well, there's an exception. We can go get him because he died. No, you couldn't go back there. I don't care if he died. I don't care what happened. So they just drag him out if, if that happened. That's how serious it was to go into the Holy of Holies. Are y'all following me now? Y'all with me on this? Okay, so that's what was going on in the Holy of Holies. Now, that was the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, do you remember when Jesus was on the cross 
and he cried out and he said, it is finished. And when he said that, the Bible says there was a huge earthquake and busted open the temple. Matter of fact, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else, it was torn in two from top to bottom, opened that baby wide open, signifying no longer do we need a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies for us. Now, because Jesus died on the cross, we have direct access to the very throne room of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we have access. So you know why here at this church, you don't see priests running around here. You know why? Because you have access to God. You don't need me to go to God for you. You have access to God. Now here's something very earth shattering maybe to some of you. It also means, did you hear what he said? We have access to the Holy of Holies, how? By the blood of Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means only the people that have repented of their sins, turned from their sins, committed their life to Christ, letting the blood of Jesus cover their sins because he died on the cross, he was buried and he rose again. Only those people have access to the throne room of God. Do you know what that means? There are some of you out here, you've been praying for years and years and years and you feel like that your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. And many of you, the reason is, is because you don't have access to him. The only way you have access to him is through the blood of Jesus. So you wonder why and you're frustrated and saying, why has God hurt me? It's because all you've done throughout the years is you've been religious, you showed up at church, but you've never committed your life to Christ. And as a result of that, you don't have access to God. Now I got some good news for you. You can have access today. You can change that. It don't have to be that way. It's not like that God's mad at you. He doesn't care about you. No, he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, go through all the pain, suffering, so you could have access to him. Do you, do you understand that? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. And he wants that access. He wants that you'd have access to him today. And just a minute, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. Whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, if you've never repented of your sins, invited Christ to come to your life to be your boss, your Lord, your I'm not talking about have you joined a church, joined a denomination, been baptized a baby. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you have never committed your life to him, say, I wanna follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my life. If that's never taken place, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do it in just a minute. Right where you're seated or whether you're watching online, you can invite him into your life and he'll change you forever. And I'm gonna pray a prayer that's gonna go something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I wanna ask you to forgive me my sins. God, I turn from my sins and I want to invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. And I'm gonna tell you something, he'll change your life today if that's never taken place. And then you can have access to him 24-7. That's the first theological truth you need to see. Now I want you to see the second. He said in verse 19, therefore brothers and sisters, remember he's talking to the church, talking to other fellow believers. Since we have confidence in the most holy place, how do we have that confidence? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And here it is. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, guess what? He's saying, you have access to God. Once you find out, you get back here, you're gonna find out Jesus is large and in charge. He's in charge. 
So all this stuff going around, the COVID thing, and everybody's got everybody in Austin freaking out because everybody's got COVID. We don't know who all is going to get COVID, who's going to die, and all this stuff's happening. Guess what? Jesus is in charge. Nothing spun out. Your life feel like it's spun out of control. You're, you don't have a job because of COVID or this is happening and blah, blah, blah. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills because now you don't have a job. Man, guess what? Jesus is in charge. So I just want you to know, you don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. Jesus is in charge. You worried about all the politics going on and stuff happening in Washington, D.C.? Guess what? Jesus is still in charge. I don't care who's in the White House. He's in charge. Now, the writer of Hebrews says, since you know these two theological truths, that you have access to God and Jesus is in charge, now let me give you some practical advice, he says. And here's what he says. First of all, look with me in verse uh, 22. Since you know all of this, then let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith that brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He says this, practically, since you understand that Jesus has given you access to the throne room of God and that he's in charge, take advantage of the access he's given you. Take advantage of it. But there are many of you sitting out there, millions of Christians all over the world that don't take advantage of the access that Jesus has given us every single day. Do you understand? I'm telling you, there are Christians that have to, when they come to church, have to go find dust off their Bible to find out where, don't even know where it is because they're not using it every day. They don't have access to him. They're not taking advantage of it. They're not drawing near to him. I've got a friend of mine. His name is uh, Ed Emerling. He used to be a youth minister in Michigan and uh, now he's the pastor of this church. But, and y'all have to understand something, okay? Everything I'm about to tell you about this story, this was pre-marriage, okay? I was single, when all this went down. That's a very important part of this story. Just want y'all to know, okay? So I was single. My friend Ed, he was married. My friend Ed calls me up one day, youth minister in Michigan. Y'all with me? Calls me up, says, hey, Ronnie, guess what? I said, what, Ed? He said, hey, man, I'm gonna be on the Jay Leno show tonight, uh, tomorrow night. I, okay, let me say something to millennials real quick. Uh, millennials, Jay Leno used to be the Jimmy Fallon a long time ago. All right, all right, and so, and if we got Johnny Carson fans out here, he came after Johnny Carson, all right, so y'all with me? He was one of them guys on talk show, Tonight Show. So uh, he calls me up, he says, I'm gonna be on the Jay Leno show. I said, Ed, you are not gonna be on the Jay, what is a youth minister gonna be doing? He's not no celebrity, he's not been in a movie, he's not a singer, what you, you're not gonna be on no Jay Leno show. He goes, yes, I am. He said, man, I won this Butterbean Lookalike Contest. Okay, let me, t I gotta give y'all some more information on that. So Butterbean used to be a heavyweight boxer. And there's a lot of people when I go to church that they don't believe what I'm saying. So if you want to, you can Google this right now, Jay Leno, Butterbean, and you'll see a picture of, of them on the, on the deal when you Google it up, okay? And uh, so my friend Ed looks like this dude. I mean, spit an image, okay? Butterbean was a heavyweight boxer that he had won nine tough man contests in a row in, in Alabama, and then he went pro heavyweight boxing, okay? And for some reason, Jay Leno liked him. I don't know why, he just did. So my friend Ed looked just like him. Ed, uh, Butterbean ha has a bald head, no neck, just, just big, just boof. And, just, and I don't know why, they called him Butterbean because he went on a Butterbean uh, diet to, to lose weight. 
but I would highly recommend not doing it because I don't think it worked for him at all. So, uh, so I mean, he dude's 300 pounds. He's just huge, no neck. My friend Ed, spitting image, looks exactly like. So he says, man, we'll be on the Jay Leno show. We're having butter bean look alike contest and all that. He said, I got two tickets to the show. You want to go? I said, yes, I want to go. So I cast in frequent flower miles, flew out to California. So my friend Ed and his wife, uh, they, I met them there at the hotel. We go up, man, Jay Leno had put them on some big swanky hotel, you know, and he's up and got this big room and stuff. So I go up there, I'm, we're talking. I said, I, mean, I can't believe you're gonna be on Jay Leno's show tonight. No. He's like, man, I know too, I'm excited. So we go downstairs in the lobby. All of a sudden, all these other butter beans start showing up. They're, I mean, they got all kinds of butter beans. They had little bitty butter beans. They, they had a butter bean kid, he was 10 years old. The kid shaved his head and wore butter bean trunks. He had, uh, he was all about the, looks like the Rocky Balboa trunks, the red, white, and blue, you know, star spangled banner type of, type of trunks. So the little kid had those on, shaved his head, but he's a skinny little kid like that. There was a, a big one. There was one that was like six foot nine, tall, huge. They had all kinds of them. And so I'm sitting there talking to all different ones. I'm talking to little kids stuff, getting to know him. He's from Mississippi, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and then they had the real one come down. Real one didn't talk to nobody though, because, you know, he, he's famous. He's a celebrity, you know. So, uh, so then the driver limo comes, hey, everybody ready to go? Let's go. So uh, I got a rental car. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna have to follow them. And so dude says, hey, no, we got plenty of room. Come on, lope in the limo. So we all get in limo. We go, we go to the Jay Leno show. So each Butterbean had their own dressing room. Okay, so there was like big butterbean, little butterbean, you know, tall butterbean and, and all. And so, and then they had the real butterbean. So my butterbean, he, Joker, I'm telling you, he is the hairiest man on the planet. I'm talking about just hair, just growing, growing out of here and stuff. And, but he has no hair on his head. So my friend had to mow that thing. I, I'm talking about shave his back belly, everything. Well, the same look y'all are giving me, that's what I had. I'm like, I don't want to see this, you know, so I'm not going to stay in the dressing room doing this. So they told me I could go down to the green room. So my friend is mowing that thing. All right. So this is before the show. So I go down to the dressing room or to the green room and man, they got all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about, they've got steak, shrimp, chocolate stuff, the little fountain deal with little pineapples and you, strawberry. I, man, I'm throwing down. So in the meantime, we're doing all this. I'm walking down the hall, Butterbean, the real one. He's got his door open and he says, hey, come on in here. So I go in there, we start talking. And so he's saying, what do you think about this? So he had bought a brand new suit, all right? And he wanted to wear that suit for Jay Leno. Jay Leno was like, no. They said, hey, he wants you to wear your trunks. And so he's getting mad. He's bought this new suit and they're not wanting him to wear. So they're having a conversation. About this time, we're sitting there talking. I'm sitting in the chair. He's on the couch. Doors wide open. We hear this. I look up. There's Cindy Crawford. Okay, hang on. Millennials. Uh, that, that was a supermodel back in the day who was like, I mean, she was it. Like cover girl, all that. Pepsi commercial, Super Bowl. Most famous one. She has Cindy Crawford uh, furniture now. Y'all know her that way. Rooms to go. Well, so she comes right there. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a gentleman. I'm from the South. Woman walks in the room. You stand up. So I stand up. She looks at Butterbean. She goes, are you Butterbean? He goes, I'm, 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 I'm,
I'm Butterbean. So she said, well, nice to meet you. I'm Cindy. So she turns around, looks at me. She says, hey, I'm Cindy. I said, hey, I'm Ronnie. Nice to meet you. And so she goes, looks back at Butterbean. She goes, hey, that little Butterbean, that little 10-year-old kid, she said, where's he from? He's so cute. He's, and so I talked to the boy. So I knew, so I started telling, I said, well, he's from Mississippi. Let me tell you what. And so how'd he get here? And so I started telling him about all that. And she said, what about the big tall one? So then I started telling him, because Mr. Butterbean, celebrity, he didn't talk to any of them. So he don't know nobody. So I'm having this conversation with Cindy Crawford for like 20 minutes. I told y'all this was before I got married. That was very important. I wouldn't have been having this conversation if we were married, okay? If I was married. So I, I'm talking to her all this stuff. And so about 20 minutes into the, she, uh, this other person comes in and says, hey, Cindy. And it was her hair person. We got to go. We, we, you got to get your hair done. She said, okay, I'll see y'all later. So she goes next door. And me and him were sitting there like, that's Cindy Crawford. She, I mean, there's like two pieces of sheetrock and Cindy Crawford's right there. Didn't, she's right there. And so he's like, did you know? I said, I, mean, I didn't know she's going to be Did you know she's going to be He said, I didn't know she's going to be on the show. And we were talking about this. And so all of a sudden they're like, hey, we've got to put your trunks on. You got to get these trunks. And he's, I'm like, I'm not going to see this. I, 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 my friend's mowing. I don't, I'm not going to see this. So I'm going to go to the green room. So I go back to the green room. I'm in there throwing stuff down. You know, I mean, I'm eating the strawberries and all that stuff and the steak and shrimp. And uh, so about this time, dude with headsets comes in. And he said, uh, he's a stage manager. He said, hey, we're about to start the show. Uh, if you got tickets to the, to the show, you want to sit out in the audience, now's the time to go. You know, and Jay will come out there and shake your hand. So if you want to go out and sit in the audience. I'm like, dude, I'm going to stay back here. Is that, is, that, is that cool? He said, yeah, I don't care. He said, I, just, but if you're going to go, you need to go now. I go, no, I'm staying. He said, good. All right, he leaves. So then I'm thinking, you know, they started the show and Cindy did her deal. I thought, I'm going to go see if Ed is finished mowing. And I'm gonna see, you know, if he's getting nervous. So I go down the hallway and it was just a God thing. I'm just telling you, it was God appointed time. So I walk down the hallway and Cindy Crawford's whole entourage is coming out of the stage at the same time I'm walking down the hall. So they're all in front of her, police officers, escorts, publicists, all these people, they're going around. And so Cindy's the last one. And I just come in right at the same time she's coming in. And so I'm right behind her and I tap her on the shoulder. I said, hey, Cindy. She goes, yeah. I said, hey, would you take a picture with me? She goes, yeah. She says, give me your camera. So I gave her my camera. She gives it to her postess. And so she puts her arm around me. I told y'all this was before I was married. <laughs> she puts her arm around. I put my arm around her. We take a picture. I got a picture of Cindy Crawford right there. On, on, and the deal. My friend Ed, who was on the show, never met her. Did, didn't even know, you know, didn't know nothing about it. And then, you know, after so we've got to talk to Jay and all that kind of stuff. But now, here's the question. Here's the question. How crazy would I have been when the stage manager came in and said, hey, if you're going to go sit out in the audience, now it's time to go. You need to go out and sit out there right now. Why would I want to go sit out in the audience when I had backstage passes and I could go to the green room and meet Cindy Crawford and all this? Why would I want to go sit out in the audience? But you know what? We got a lot of people here doing that with God. God has given you backstage passes to the very throne room of God. And what do we do? We decide to just sit out in the audience and let it pass by. God says, draw near to me. Do you know that you can draw near to him when your marriage is on the rocks? Do you know 
when you're in the hospital and you got COVID and nobody could come in to see you, do you know that you can draw near to God? Do you know that you can draw near to God when you have nobody else to turn to? You can draw near to him. Do you know you can draw near to God when you're taking out the trash? Do you know that you can draw near to God on your way to work on that drive that you think, why am I wasting my time here in traffic? Do you know that you can draw near to him during that time? He says, take advantage of the access I've given you. Quit sitting out in the audience. Draw near to me. Get in his word, read his word. Listen, you're not gonna become intimate with God checking into church one time a week. He wants to be a part of every conversation, everything that you do, every place that you go. He wants to be a part. He wants to, you to draw near to him. Take advantage of the access he's given you. He's given you backstage passes to the very throne room of his presence. Second thing he says, not only should we draw near to him, but he goes on and says in verse 23, he said, and let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why would the writer of Hebrews say to the brothers and sisters in Christ, why would he say, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess? Because you gotta understand what's going on here. So see, here's what's happening. He's talking to the Hebrew Christians. So what has happened is now they are, because they have switched from going to church on Saturday, now they're going to church on Sunday celebrating Jesus' resurrection now they're celebrating the only way to heaven is through Christ. They're celebrating that. And because of that, they're getting persecuted. They're getting hammered. They're getting their businesses taken away from them. They're getting thrown in jail. They're getting killed. They're getting persecuted. And you know what they must've been thinking? Man, you know what? It sure was a lot easier before this Jesus guy came along. Man, let's go back to the way it was where we just went through the whole routine and all that. Nobody, you know, everybody liked us. Nobody was against us. Let's go back to those times. Right of Hebrews says, no, hold unswervingly to the hope you profess. Don't give up. Don't go back. Hold on. Story told of a, a farmer who had a dog. And uh, every time he'd go out and feed his cows in the morning, his dog would be on the back porch. One morning he walked out. Dog wasn't there. And that, I mean, this is unusual. I mean, his dog has been with him forever. He's like, wonder where my dog is. And he could see from, you know, all the way around. I mean, he had hundreds of acres all around, no trees. So he doesn't see his dog anywhere. So he starts hauling at his dog. Hey boy, where are you? Come on, let's go. He hears the dog way off in the distance. So he's looking, he's seeing, he's like, I don't see him anywhere, is he? So he starts walking towards the sound, starts walking and as, the closer he gets, it gets louder. And he realized the dog wasn't way off. He had just fell in his old water well. And he fell down at the very bottom and the dog broke his leg and was at the bottom of this dried up old well that he had. He thought, man, that dog's gonna die. He broke his leg. I don't want my grandkids falling in this old well. I need to cover this thing up. So he has a load of dirt. He takes a shovel and he starts throwing in and filling that old well, the old water well up with dirt. And that dog is at the bottom of that water well. 
Dirt just hit him in the face. He had shaken. That dog must have been thinking, I said throw a rope. You know, that's, what, that's probably what the dog's thinking. And, and every time he did, it'd be just dirt in the face. And so dog would shake it off every time and he'd step up. And finally that dog quit barking and that, that farmer just kept taking the shovel, throwing dirt in and it hit him in the face. He'd shake it off, he'd take another step up. And this went on all the way until the dog was able to step out of the well. Here's the lesson for us. Satan's gonna come at you. He's gonna attack. He's gonna throw all kinds of stuff at you. I don't care if it's COVID, loss of job, marriage issues, whatever it is. But when he comes and he throws it, shake it off and step up. Why should you step up? Because he goes on and says, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. He will never let you down. He, was, he will always be there for you. Man, I was witnessing to a kid one time and he was saying, as, as I was witnessing to him, he goes, yeah, and my dad OD'd on drugs and blah, blah, blah. And he kept on going on. And then later on, about five minutes later, he said in the conversation, he said, yeah, God took my dad and blah, blah, blah. I stopped and I said, hey, hey, what'd you just say? He said, I said, God took my dad and uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, no. How did you say your dad died? He said, he died of a drug overdose. I said, then why are you blaming God for something he didn't do? And it's like a light came on to him. He had never thought of that before. And there are many of you sitting out there doing the same thing that kid was doing about God, blaming God for his dad's death. When his dad OD'd on drugs, that was his dad's choice. That wasn't God. And a lot of you blaming God said, no, God's not faithful. He's done this. He's done that. God's not faithful. Or some church member, you know, uh, said a rude comment to me and hurt my feelings and blah, blah, blah. You're blaming God on stuff that he didn't do. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's not out for our harm. He's out for our good. That's what the word says in Jeremiah. You say, well, okay, so, but... They didn't give up? No. He said, hold on. Don't give up. Don't back down. Keep on fighting for God is faithful. And then he says this, not only do those two things, third thing he says in verse 24, he said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Man, I like that word spur. King James, it says provoke. And so, you know, for those of y'all don't know, I'm a cowboy. Uh, I rodeo, team rope, all that kind of stuff. We have horses, cows, all that kind of stuff. So we do that all the time. And uh, I had this horse, still have him, Colonel. And Colonel, uh, he's kind of like, uh, I think he's got ADD. Uh, I, I know our dog, uh, Shooter, who's an Australian Shepherd. I know he's got ADD. He's ADD, ADHD, all kinds of Ds. He, he's all of it. But my horse, Colonel, he just kind of like floppy ear, just kind of like, you know, doing like this. And so I was at a roping in Stephenville, Texas, uh, not too long ago, and I was, I was on my horse. And, uh, and those of y'all don't know about team roping. So what happens is I'm on my horse on, on one side of the box. There's a steer in the middle and a chute. And then there's my partner. He's on the other side and he's, got, he's on his horse. So I back my horse in the box. I nod my head. They let the steer out. He's got the horns on. I come out there, I rope the steer around the horns, I roll him and turn him, my partner comes up, ropes the back feet, we turn and face each other, they flag him and drops the flag, they stop the clock. That's the way it normally goes. I back in the box, I'm on Colonel. He's got little ears, I get my spurs. I don't have to spur him. 
All I do is I just turn my spurs in and let him know I got them on. Then all of a sudden, my horse that has ADHD, ADD, whatever you want, all of a sudden he goes from little floppy ears to boop, and he's working them. And he does like this right here. And he's listening, and I don't know how they can do it, but I wish I could do it. But he can take one ear and throw it behind him and listen to me here, and then also listen out here. And so he, he's doing this. And just any cue that I give him, he wants to know what, he, what I want to do because he's paying attention then because I got my spurs on. And so then I'm back in the box, I nod my head, take off. And I'm kicking, kicking, and he will not get to the cow. And he's like just stuck in third gear. He's got an overdrive but he will not get to the steer. And so I have to throw a bomb to catch the steer. And I'm thinking, what? Why did, that is not like him. Why, why did he do that? I get to the end of the deal and we let the steer back in the back chute. And uh, somebody hollers at the front from where the steer's chute was. Says, hey, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Did you lose a spur? I look down, my right spur's gone. Fell off my boot. I go, yeah, that's, that's my spur. He said, right, I got it right here. So I went over there, got my spur, the leather strap broke. So I got some baling wire, tied around there. That's what cowboys do. Took, took baling wire, tied around there, got it back on there. So for the next steer, second steer, I back in the box, turn my spurs in. All of a sudden, because he's thinking I don't have them on. You know, he's thinking he lost one. All of a sudden, whoop, he's, he's back. He's doing this right here. And so then I nod my head. One time, he's overdrive. He's right there on, I mean, whoom, right there on top of steer. I'm able to catch him. I just had to provoke him a little bit. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Just had to let him know I got the spurs on. And the writer of Hebrews says that that's what we're to do with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to spur one another on or to provoke one another on toward love and good deeds. Hey, let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of people out there and a lot of people on TV shows want to throw a lot of advice out there. Am I right? I mean, The View, that TV show, they just want to throw all kinds of stuff out there. Want all kinds of, you know, advice and stuff. I'm telling you, there are people that are even your friends or even your family that don't need to be speaking into your life. See, the only people that I want speaking into my life are brothers and sisters in Christ that love God and that are full of His wisdom. Because I'm going to tell you something, the world they have a different worldview than we do. See, because my worldview is based on what the Word of God says and not what somebody's opinion is today and it's different tomorrow. No, this does not change. The Bible says His Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you have people speaking into your life, I don't care if it's their mo your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandmother, grandpa, if they don't know Jesus, you don't need to be taking advice from them. You hear what I'm saying? Because I'm gonna tell you something. We need people that are just gonna tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And he says that we are to spur one another on. The Bible says this iron sharpens iron, so another brother sharpens another brother. You see another brother that's going around flirting with a waitress at a restaurant, thinking about cheating on his wife, you need to spur that joker on. And you need to provoke him. Say, so, hey, don't you have a wife at home? Tell them the truth. But we do it out of love. Not out of judgment. Not out of I'm better than you because, hey, none of us are. I, myself included. We all mess up. But I need other brothers and sisters speaking to my life, encouraging me and provoking me on. And the last thing that he says is this. He says, we know those two theological truths. We know these practical things. 
Lastly, he says in verse 25, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, why would he say, let us not give up meeting together? Why would the writer of Hebrews say that to the other brothers and sisters in Christ? Because let me tell you what's going on. Think about this. All right, you're a Hebrew Christian. You just gave your life to Christ. Your whole life for generations and generations. You came to church, showed up. You brought a heifer, a goat, a bull, a dove, something. You took it to the priest. He slit his throat. He killed it, threw it on the altar, burned it as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins and your family's sins, right? Now Jesus died on the cross. So he was the final lamb sacrifice once and for all, for all mankind, all right? So they must've been thinking, hey, you know what? We don't need to go to church. Jesus took care of that for us. So we don't need to go there and, you know, offer sacrifices or anything like that because he's the final lamb sacrifice. We're done. We don't need to do that no more. And what did he say? He said, let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. Hey, uh, y'all want to look around the room right now? Some are in the habit of not meeting together. Some of you watching online are in the habit of not meeting together. Now, I want to say this, those of you online, those of you who are sick, you got COVID, there is a medical reason that you need to stay home. We are not saying, the Word of God is not saying, trying to force you, oh no, you better be here in your hospital bed. No, that's not what the Word of God is saying here, okay? We are praying for you. We want you to get better. That's not the issue. The ones I'm addressing online are those that have gotten convenient for them just to stay at home and click in and watch on TV or online. We need to meet together. You need to meet with us. There are things that you can get here in person. You can't get by a click or a like online. You need to meet here. And I'm gonna tell you how important it is before you get all hacked off, you hang up, you, you stop it, pause it, whatever. You need to listen to this story. My... Um, my wife, her name is Jennifer. She was um, at home. We lived in Haslett at the time. And on 9-11, three years ago, I was in Waller, Texas preaching. And we were starting a revival. Started Sunday morning, had a bunch of people saved. And so we were having services Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. So Sunday night, I go preach in Waller, you know, I'm there for the week. I preach again the, the evening service. I get through, I go get fast food, get something. I go back to my hotel room. As soon as I got my hotel room, I get a phone call from my wife. It freaked me out. My wife is on the other line and she is bawling her head off and she will not stop crying. Now, for those of y'all think, well, she's a woman, but I have heard my wife cry maybe two or three times ever since the time we met till even today. I mean, I'm talking about two or three times, maybe. She doesn't cry. And here she is bawling her head off. We have a son, Jake. And, and so when she will not tell me, I'm like, honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? Honey, I, I'm four hours from my house. 
My wife is in Hassel. It's, it's now probably nine or 10 o'clock at night. And my wife, she cannot tell me what's going on. I'm thinking something happened to Jake. What, what, what happened? What's going on? Does something happen to Jake? And she just keeps crying and keeps crying. I go, Honey, what is wrong? Finally, after like 10 minutes, she says, it's Jonathan. Jonathan is her brother. My wife is 10 years older than her brother. My wife has been like a second mother to him. I mean, they were tight. She took him everywhere when they were growing up. And I mean, he's been with us all over the country. And I'm like, what, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? She says, he's dead. I said, I'm coming. Hung up the phone, threw everything in my suitcase, threw it in the car. I called the pastor on the way. I said, I said Pastor, I, I'm sorry. I've got to leave this revival. My, my wife is at home. I don't know what's going on. Her brother's dead. I've got to get home. He says, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. It's a four-hour drive. I got there in about two and a half hours. I walk in. Honey, what happened? My brother-in-law, Jonathan, had transferred college to here in Austin. And uh, my wife uh, was on the phone with her mom. Her mom lives in Florida. Her mom was talking to her brother here. And so she had her other phone next to it so my wife could hear it and so she could hear what's going on. My, my brother-in-law didn't know. He was 33 years old. Didn't know that she was on the phone. And so he was wanting to go over and see an ex-girlfriend. And his mom kept telling him, no, you don't need to go over there. You don't need to go. It's just going to make it worse. He goes, no, I need to just go over there and tell her. And she goes, no, you, Jonathan, you don't need to go over there. She says, no, I, I won't go talk to her. She said, no, th there's no point in it. There's nothing, nothing you can say that's going to change my mind. You don't need to go over there. She said, but mom, I won't go over there. She said, no, you don't need to go over there. Pow! Jonathan, Jonathan, nothing. My wife is just, she's a genius. She used to work for NASA and all that. So my wife immediately hangs up the phone. She gets on uh, uh, the internet and she gets on the, I don't know how she did it, gets on Austin PD Police Department uh, scanner and she's listening to the scanner. Her mom calls the police department here in Austin. And so she's on the phone with the police department in Austin. My, my wife is listening to the scanner. She hears the police say, okay, we've arrived uh, at the apartment complex. Next thing she hears on the scanner, we're knocking at the door. There's a dog barking inside. We don't, we don't, nobody's coming to the door. I'll send the other officer around the other side. Next thing she hears, the officer at his window. And the officer says, we need a homicide detective over here, please. So my wife and I just cry for probably two hours. We get maybe an hour's sleep. Her mom and dad fly from Orlando, Florida, here to Austin. We drive down that morning. We pick them up at 8 o'clock in the morning at the airport here in Austin. We go, first thing she wants to do, Jennifer's mom wants to go to his apartment. We get to the apartment, there's yellow tape still on the doors. 
I told her mom, I said, let me go in here first and let me just make sure everything's okay. She goes, no, that's my son. She opens the door, bolts in. Her dad goes in right behind her, then Jennifer, and then I follow in. They go straight to his room. Her mom had bought him a brand new glass desk, glass top, glass bottom. He was sitting in his chair when he shot himself. He fell over and bled all over that bottom of that glass, that desk. There was just a huge spot of blood in the carpet. Her mom falls right down beside it. My wife right beside her. And my father-in-law on the bed for two hours. All I hear from her mom is, why? Why'd this happen? Why'd this happen? After two hours, I tell my wife, I said, honey, take them to the hotel. I'll get all of his stuff because her mom wanted all of his stuff. So by myself, I load all his stuff up in his truck. And the last thing I left was his desk. I hunt, I've cleaned a lot of animals, field dressed deer and all that kind of stuff. But I had to clean up the blood from my brother-in-law. When I got through, I walked outside and I called my dad. My dad has been my pastor since I was a kid. I needed somebody who could pray for me, who could listen to me and encourage me during that time. And the only place you're going to get that is from being in a place like this. A like on the internet would not have comforted me. A little heart would not have done anything for me. I needed somebody that I knew was in touch with God and would be there for me. And right now, you don't have that. And those of you that are home watching online, you, you don't have that. So when those tough times come and they're gonna come, who are you gonna go to? I'm gonna go to somebody I know who's in touch with God. And that's me and my small group, me and my church, my, my dad. And I'm gonna tell you this, if you're not connected right now, maybe you just show up here in church on Sundays, you need to get connected. You need to build relationships. Just like we saw in the video, the guy on, up here online, you need to get connected to somebody because those times are gonna come. You're gonna have heartache. You're gonna have things crash down on you. Bible says, don't be surprised it's gonna happen. It's gonna rain on the just and the unjust. And when those times come, we need people that's gonna encourage us, love us, support on us. And the only way you're gonna get that is here.
not online. There are many of you sitting out here today and maybe you're like my, my brother-in-law. Maybe you're giving up hope and thinking there's nowhere else to go. No, there's, there's no solution. Yes, there is. And I want you to know what, what my brother did. He chose a permanent solution to a temporary problem. No, there is hope. His name is Jesus. And he wants to change you today. And if you don't know that, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now, right where you're seated. Those of you that are watching online, right now you can pray and you can invite Christ to come to your life and it will go something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. Would you please forgive me my sins? God, I turn from my sins and I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. If you've never done that before and you want to, right where you're seated, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. Can you do me a favor? Can you give me two minutes? Nobody get up, nobody leave. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, you say, Ronnie, I don't know Jesus. Maybe you realize for the first time, you, you do not have access to God because you've never been through Jesus. That's the only way you get access to him. You say, Ronnie, I thought I was going to church was gonna give me access or, or some other way. No, it is only through Christ, his blood covering your sins. If that's never taken place, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to pray that prayer. Just right where you're seated, pray with me and invite Christ to come to your life. Or those watching on the line, you pray with me right where you're at. Pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I know I've messed up. And I wanna ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. I'm not gonna come to you and embarrass you or call you out. I just wanna pray for you. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer, you say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I just pray and I invited Jesus to come to my life. If you just pray that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, Ron, that's me. All right, sweetie. All right, right here. Anybody else? And it's hard to see in here because of the lights. So if I can't see you, just raise your hand real quick. If you pray in this section right here, I got you right here. Anybody else in this section right here? Yes, sir, in the back. Anybody else right here? Yes, ma'am, right here. Over here, it's, and I can't hardly see over here, so just kind of raise your hand. Yes, sir, right there. Yes, ma'am, there. Yes, in the back, right there. Okay, I'm in this section right here. You prayed that prayer, just look up at me. All right. Anybody else over here? Got you right there. Anybody else in the section right here? On this far side, you prayed that prayer. Got you in the back. Yes, ma'am. Over here on this side. Okay, this section right over here. Got you, yes, sir. Got you, buddy. Anybody else in this section right here? Say, Ron, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Yes, ma'am, back there. Anybody else in this section here? Just raise your hand real quick because I can't see because of the lights. Just raise your hand, put it right back down. Anybody in this section right here? Okay, got you here. Got you, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Anybody else right here? <clears throat> got you, sweetie. <clears throat> Anybody else in this section? All right. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer, and if you're online and you pray that prayer, 
uh, at the bottom, there's a connect. Uh, it says connect right there. Just click on that. Or uh, the person also online in the chat is gonna let you know how you can direct message us and let us know that you pray that prayer. We just wanna pray with you and encourage you. Uh, we're excited about your decision. But those of you that are here this morning, you pray that prayer. Would you just keep looking up at me just for a second? Just those that prayed the prayer. Everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed. I just wanna share something with you from the word of God real quick. I just want you to know, according to what the Bible says, God has forgiven you of everything you've ever done. That's good news. That, that means that all the old stuff that's passed away, there's no guilt, shame that you have to deal with because guess what? God has forgiven you. You are clean before him. And not only that, when you die, you're gonna spend eternity in heaven. That, that's, a good, that's a good thing. That's good news. You say, okay, so what, what am I supposed to do now? Well, now that you've invited Jesus to come to your life, it's imperative you let everybody know. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, now this is Jesus who died on the cross for you so your sins could be forgiven. You know what he said? He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. You say, what am I supposed to do? Here's your first step. Once you've invited Christ to come in your life, you'll let other people know. You say, how do I do that? Here's what we're gonna do. In just a second, we're gonna stand all of this building with heads bowed and eyes closed. When we stand, I'm gonna pray. When I say amen, Jeff and the band are gonna sing. Matter of fact, Jeff and the band, would y'all go ahead and come on up? When we stand, I pray, as soon as I say amen, they're gonna sing. All of you that pray that prayer, you come right down here to the aisle. There's gonna be pastors down here at the front. Pastors, would y'all go ahead and stand in the aisles right there, even with the first uh, row, just the pastors. I'm gonna stand right there, right there, and right there. You say, what do I do? When we stand, I pray, I say amen. Brother Jeff and the band's gonna sing. All you do is you step out and you come to one of these gentlemen right down here and all you have to say to them is, uh, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with Ronnie. You say, what do you want us to do? They're, they're just gonna take you to the side. They're gonna introduce you to a person called an encourager. They're gonna pray with you. They're gonna encourage you. If you don't have a Bible, you let us know. We're gonna get you a Bible because you start a spiritual relationship with God today. We wanna help you grow and get to know him. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. They sing, you step out and come. And those of you that are counselors, Counselors, would you look up at me real quick? Counselors, when we stand, I pray, I say amen, they sing. Counselors, you step out and you come, stand right here on this front row here and here and there and there. And all we're gonna do is those pastors are gonna introduce you to those encouragers. And those of you that are coming forward, those encouragers are just gonna take you to the side and pray with you and encourage you, okay? I'm excited for you. You say, well, man, I'm scared to death. I'm not a member here or whatever. You can come with a friend. You can come with your mom and dad. Say, mom, dad, would you go with me? You can come with a spouse. You can come with a loved one. Say, hey, would you go with me? They'd be glad to go with you. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So when we stand, I pray, I say amen. They sing, you step out and come. Could you do me a favor? Could we all please stand down with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, all of you that prayed that prayer, you just step out and come and we're gonna be right down here for you. Let's pray. Ben, y'all go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Father, thank you for those that trust the Lord and Savior. I pray, God, you give them courage and boldness to take a stand for you right now. Bless their obedience, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As they sing, you come on right now. You prayed that prayer. We'll be right down here. You come on. Counselors, come help us, please.